0: We upload a new speaker every day, and it's easy to subscribe by searching for NAPOD, N-A-P-O-D, all one word, on any podcast player app, or go to napod.xyz if you'd like to listen online. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and have a great day.
1: Welcoming our speaker from Hacienda Heights, California, Ruth S. (laughs)
2: Right?
1: <laughs> yeah. My name is Ruth, and I'm a very grateful alcoholic. Jesus, you think I need these? <laughs> I want you to know in L.A., they, when I'm coming, they turn these off, right?
2: <laughs>
1: Two things staring right in my eyes, I love it. Grateful, fortunate alcoholic. I like to say welcome to the new ones. Welcome to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous works, and it works good. And the reason why that I know it works good this afternoon is, number one, I'm standing up here sober. And there's quite a few friends sitting out there sober and clean this afternoon. And you see, without a doubt in my mind, this very afternoon, I know where I should be. I should be drunk. Or I should be on some jail bus on my way to some penitentiary, strapped down or dead but because of a grace of God and a program called Alcoholics Anonymous. I live very well today, very well. And new ones or anybody else, I don't want you to get the impression out there that I skip through any tulips through this program, because I don't. There's days I trudge like anybody else. So I'm going to explain to you up here what I mean by very well. You know, this morning, with everything going on in this hotel downstairs, I woke up sober. (laughs) And that's what I mean by very well. I knew exactly where I had been the night before. Huh? And I also know the longer I'm here, the more I see this. It doesn't matter what walks of life that you came out of. Doesn't matter. I don't care if you're driving a Mercedes-Benz or a Chevy. I know you're in the right place. Hmm? I didn't happen to drive up with neither one of those things and they still welcome me to Alcoholics Anonymous. And the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says this to me, that I must tell you a little bit of what it was like, what happened, and how I live today. And thank God, it says in a general way, believe me, (laughs) that saves you up here. Mm. So believe me. The story I'm telling you this afternoon is as nice as I can get it for you. (laughs) I call it cleaning it up a bit, right? Because you see, very early in my life, mine, I was a rebel from the word get. I was one of these type kids, if my mother told me to go south, I immediately turned around and went north without even thinking about it. And I guess I had a typical mom that sits home and they preach pretty typical things to their daughters, and this one did. She used to sit home and say things like, Be a nice girl. (laughs) Go to school and study. When you get of age you marry a nice guy, and you move off to the suburbs and bake cookies. Yeah. Now, that didn't sound interesting to me at all at the age of 11 years old. Now, I was born and raised in East Los Angeles, hmm. real nice part of Los Angeles. <laughs> But to show you how slick I ran most of my life at that time, I didn't know East Los Angeles was a ghetto until I was in my 30s, so that shows you. Now, I used to go home at this very young age, and I used to watch gangster movies on TV. Now, I got obsessed with watching gangster movies. I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. Hmm? I wanted to grow up and become a gangster. You see, because it sounded more interesting than baking cookies in the suburbs, right? Hmm. Now, they didn't have no good old gangsters in East Los Angeles at that time like they had on that TV. But I picked me the closest thing that I can find to it at this time. I joined my first gang at the age of 11 years old. And the initiation to that gang that day was I had to drink a fifth of white port and lemon juice. Now, if anything, burnt nasty to this 11-year-old body was white port and lemon juice. It burnt going down, and it burnt coming back up again, right? (laughs) But I chug a lug till it stayed down. Now, I don't know what happened to anybody else that day that was being initiated, but I do know what happened to me. Between the top and the bottom of that bottle, I fell in love. And I didn't fall in love with, gee, what a cute bottle this is in, right? (laughs) Or I like the color of this stuff. I fell in love with what it did in my gut. got it filled that hole that I had right here. And it filled it up quick, and I stood up straight, and I looked at that gal next to me. And I said, where are we going? And who are we going with? Because I'm ready to live, man. And I found him. I was in love. Now, I wasn't a daily drinker at this time. I hadn't even discovered the morning drink. I was one of these Friday, Saturday, and Sunday drinkers. And whenever I can get my hands on it. Now, I've had a lot of people ask me dumb questions. Even in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have asked me dumb questions. huh? Someone would slip up to me and say something like, How did you acquire alcohol at the age of 11 years old? Mm. And I said, very simple. I stood on corners by liquor stores, and I hit on people going in and out of there, and eventually somebody's going to come by and buy you a bottle. But I had bad days even then. Somebody would come by and rip me off for my booze or my money. And with all my heart, to this very afternoon... I believe it was alcoholics that did that to me,
2: right?
1: (laughs) Had to be. (laughs) So if any of you in this meeting have ever been in the East Los Angeles area some years back and ripped off an 11-year-old kid, you can make amends to me after this meeting's over Those were bad days. But I continued. And I had an oddball sister. Odd. Born into this family. I used to claim to my mom, they gave us the wrong baby in the hospital. She had to be the wrong baby. Because, you see, she was such a nice kid. Yeah, yeah. Nicest kid you ever wanted to lay eyes on. She went to school. And she studied. And she got A's on her report card. And sometimes she went to Mass twice on Sundays. Odd kid. Huh? <laughs> but I never forgot my parting with her. <laughs> and uh, see, I had tried to teach her all these wonderful things I had learned. How to ditch, how to get away with all this stuff. She didn't want it. But I never forgot my parting with her when she came home with her husband-to-be. And they're already engaged to be married. And at this particular time in my life, I was hip, and I was slick, and I was cool. And I come strolling in with my cool self, and this guy's sitting in our living room couch. With a crew cut on his head, right? <laughs> pair of Ivy League pants they wore at the time and white shoes, right? <laughs> white shoes, And to top it off, this guy was German. And I grabbed this sister and I said, haul her into that bedroom and I give her my famous lecture. You crazy? You're going to marry this guy and move off to the suburbs and be miserable for the rest of your life. And you see, we were a nice Mexican family, and I didn't want them screwed up like that. Right? <laughs> hmm? And she got a very strange look on her face that she got every time that I talked to her. Hmm. I didn't understand that for years, and she married that guy anyway. (laughs) Well, thank God she didn't listen to me, because to this very afternoon, right now, she's still out in those suburbs baking cookies with that guy, right? (laughs) That amazed me. Now, no way, shape, form did Ruth want to screw her life up like my sister had, right? So I went on as running as hard and as fast as I can run now. And again, took me some years in Alcoholics Anonymous to figure out who I was running from all those years. You see, when I was running from me all those years. Because I never, ever... Wanted me to catch up with me. It was too painful. I was always busy with my finger pointed out at everybody else. Here's fault that, what that, down the line I can go with that. But I never, ever wanted to take a look at me. Around the age of 18 years old, my friends started marrying off. Hmm. Now, I didn't want to be left out now. Yeah. So I looked around this neighborhood. And I found me the hippest, slickest, coolest guy I can get to marry me at the time. Hmm? And me and him, we're going to go low riding off into the sunset, right? (laughs) Forever. (laughs) For my buddy down here, it was por vida. Right? Unfortunately, three months of marriage and this man started screaming. And he started screaming about things that Ruthie didn't understand. He started talking things like, when are you gonna wash? (laughs) When are you gonna cook? Then his next words threw me. He says, "You know, you don't drink like a lady." <laughs> and I had to ask him, "Well, how do ladies drink?" He says, "Ladies drink out of a glass, <laughs> not out of a bottle." Uh, let's see. And you see, he didn't understand. Anytime I uncapped that bottle, I always drank for relief. And I wanted relief quick, and I wanted fast. Now, I know there might be a few of you in this room that identify with a couple of drunks that I'll talk about. You know those drunks you wake up the next day, and you ask them dumb questions before you learn not to ask the dumb questions? Mm. And you say something like this, does anybody know where we left the car? Mm. Mm. Does anybody know why I have this black eye? <laughs> this one was my favorite. Did we have fun last night? Mm. <laughs> if you lost it all, you have fun, right? And I continued, and this marriage dissolved pretty quickly after this, and I had one son. And I'm here to tell you this afternoon that I love my son. And I love my son like a mother loves a child. And I held this little boy close to me because I felt a love for him. And I made a statement in that hospital to that little one that I met with all my heart. I met it. I said, everything in the world there is to give, I'm going to try to give it to you. And I met that. But you see, new one, I didn't know. I did not know I was afflicted with the disease of alcoholism and also drug addiction and that I would get progressively worse. I always thought I would get better. Always. My famous cries throughout my life till I crawled through the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous went like this. Tomorrow, I'm going to get myself together. Mm. And everything's going to be okay. Tomorrow. Mm. Every one of those got me here. And my next famous cry was, if they would only just leave me alone, mm, everything would be okay. Unfortunately, much later, they do leave you alone.
2: <laughs>
1: That's all I got here, alone. <laughs> and I continued, around this time in my life, another man passed through it. And God was this guy cool. I liked his style. By this time in my life, I was taking on people's styles Because, you see, I never, ever wanted to be me. I always wanted to be someone else or someplace else. But I never wanted to be who I was. Never. Until I got here. But anyway, I liked this guy's style. It kind of looked like he was in the state of rigor mortis. <laughs> real slow mover. And I liked his style. So I took to living with this guy. And I found out one thing real quick about him. He wasn't cool at all in the morning. He was real nervous and twitchy and his nose ran a lot, Right? And he would run into that bathroom, and when he came out of the bathroom, he was cool. (laughs) Now, it didn't take Ruth too long to figure out that whatever he had in that bathroom, I wanted some. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I took to bugging this guy, and it didn't take me too long. And finally, one day he hauled me into that bathroom. I sat on that bathroom floor and took a fix of heroin with this guy. Now again this afternoon, I wish I can tell you, nah, Ruthie's not going to like this run. She's not going to like smashing through the lives. She's now going to smash through, and I mean smash through their lives. She's not going to like the feelings of desperation that are going to run deep inside of me. And I know what it is to be desperate out there. But most of all, I'm not going to like those feelings of self-hatred that run deep inside of me. Because you see, the more I hate me, the more I hate each and every one of you. And that hate started to run deep inside It was around this time in my life I started going in and out and in and out of those jails. I don't know what anybody in this room today feels about jail, but I can give my honest feelings about jail. This was through the 60s. There was many times they came to haul me away, many of them. I wanted to kiss them and tell them what took you so long to get me this time. Because I knew it was the only place on earth where I would go get physically cleaned up, get myself back together, get back on those streets, and start this mess all over again. And I did this for years, in and out and in and out. But newcomer, I don't want to forget the last.
2: Hmm.
1: And I'm going to tell you why this afternoon... I don't want to forget. God bless them old-timers that I sobered up with. God bless them. They used to sit around my group and they used to say things like, If you forget where you come from, you better get ready. Because you're going back. And I didn't want to go back. And the timers told me you don't have to live in it, sweetheart. Just don't forget where you come from. And I thank you, each and every one of you, and each day in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous for keeping it up front for me, because I don't live in it today. Sometime today it's like looking at another person. I look at that old person back there. And I say, thank God for rooms like this. Because the woman that I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes was not a woman. It was an animal. An animal. Alcohol and drugs took its toll in my life. And there's no way on earth I can stand up here before you this afternoon and tell you I'm one bit proud of it because I'm not. But I'm also can tell you today, without any shame in my body, I'm not a damn bit ashamed of where it comes from no more. Because of what I found in this room. Because of what I found. This animal. They had sent me to a place called CRC. It's called the Rehabilitation, C- California Rehabilitation Center up in Narco, California. While I was in this rehabilitation center, with a, which is a department of corrections, while I was in this institution, I did not trust one living human being walking on the face of this earth, not one. When you ran with people that I ran with, you don't trust. I was consumed in hatred. My guts were full of ulcers. While I was in this institution, they had just had a bust through it, meaning there was nothing to be found in this institution to get loaded on. And I was walking around in my own skin. I did not like to walk around in my own skin. While I was there, I hurt somebody pretty badly. I struck out in violence and hatred because they tried to get a little close to me, They got a little too close, and I struck out and almost killed this girl. And one of the things they didn't tolerate there was violent people, and I was very violent. And they shipped me from that institution, and they shipped me to a place called CIW, the Women's Penitentiary in California. And they have a place there called Deep Six, and it is six feet under the ground with no light. And they put me in this hole where they put animals like me. And while I was down in that hole, I had a lot of thinking to do. And to be honest with you, there ain't too much to do down there but
2: think. Right?
1: And this is what I came up with never again in my whole entire life. Am I ever going to use drugs again? And I messed out with all my I swore off completely. After a period of time, they had to let me go from that institution. As soon as I got back into L.A., before I report to a parole officer or anyone, I walk into the nearest bar. My jaws are clenched up. That edge is on me. I walk in. I'm going to order me one drink. What's one drink going to do to me? Just one. Just take the edge off. I walk in that bar. I sit on that bar store. I order that one drink. Alcohol did not leave my life till I crawled through the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous. I. I used to protect my alcohol. I used to stand up to people and I'd say, you see this bottle? This bottle's my friend. It's the only friend I got in the whole wide world. You are not my friend. This is my friend. And I would protect, lie, cheat, steal, anything to keep it in my life. Back you up, keep my bottle right here. I love a beautiful guy in my group. He talks about tucking his alcohol, his bottle. He used to tuck it under his arm be making it at home with that bottle tucked under his arm. He might fall in his face and break his nose, but he ain't going to break that bottle, right? Because his life is in there. And that's the way it was for me. My life was in that bottle. Don't break my life in there. It's the only thing I got. It was around this time my family made a big mistake. And I claim to this afternoon it's still the biggest mistake they ever made. Because, you see, my mom got too old to take care of my children. And I didn't know these children. All I knew is that there was five of them. And my mom sent them home. And they came in a very unique manner again. They knocked on the door and ran. Right? I opened the door and five kids... And my mom sent my children home to a full blown alcoholic. Full blown. And my heart ached when I looked at those babies up. Because I knew I wouldn't stop. Couldn't stop. And you know, it took me a long time in Alcoholics Anonymous. I could share with you about the jails and all, the beatings and. Eh, all that other stuff I did. But it took me a long time to be able to share with you what I did to my own family. Those children. The babies. Because, you see, now I'm not fighting out there. I'm fighting right there in that little place. And there's many mornings, and I don't want to forget those mornings. Never want to forget those mornings coming to And these five babies all clumped up in one room, and I have to go through a hallway to get to the bathroom. I always went in that bathroom. And I no longer open their bedroom door, and it's no more of this. Good morning, children. How are you? That stopped long time ago. Now I crack the door open maybe just an inch or two, and I peek in, and I count feet. I count the feet. I don't know why, but I count the feet, right? And if I see ten pair of feet, right, I know they're okay. But you see, many, morning, many, many mornings, they're not okay, Because I'll be fighting that war again, and I don't know who I'm fighting, and now these five children are the recipients of my anger, my my rages. And that remorse I know, that guilt I know, that pain I know. I lived it. I lived it many, many mornings. I'm going to tell you about a prison that I was in that beat any prison that I was in, including deep six, the hole in the penitentiary in California. And that prison was called that bedroom prison that I was in. When I was in that bedroom prison, I used to wish I was in prison. It beat being in that bedroom, that lonely bedroom that I laid in for a long time. And it was around this time, and I believe with all my heart to this very afternoon, I believe it with all my heart, I believe this. I believe that God stepped in and did for me what he could, I could not do for my own self. And the first event he did in my life is they came in in a very early morning again, busted in through the doors with the county welfare department now. And they gathered up five children and they ran them out to a county car. As they started to haul these children away, this maniac mother ran out in the driveway as they started to leave. My oldest boy, was looking out the back window of that car. And I locked eyes with my boy. And you see, I've seen many looks out there, many of them. I've seen them in the cop's eyes. I've seen them in the judge's eyes. I've seen them in my mother's eyes. That wasn't too big of a deal. But when I saw that look in my boy's eyes, I wanted to Die. Die. And if you're an alcoholic, you know what kind of look I'm talking about because we've seen them. Sometime later, they hauled me to another kind of courtroom, and i have been in a lot of courtrooms, but not one like this. This was a child custody courtroom. And this judge went through my jacket, and he went from 11 years old up to 32 years old, and he said this. A woman like you should have never bore children. And we will see to it for the remainder of your life. You never see your children again. They were gone. I left that courtroom and I felt rotten and no good. I was a nothing. I was a zero. And I went home and I tried to drink and drink and drink and drink. And it stopped working. Couldn't get sober and I couldn't get drunk drunk no more. I was in that awful ugly in-between and now my best friend stopped working for me. There comes the part where they all left. They all left me alone now. (laughs) Neighbors see me go by, they slam the doors. It was around this time I went into a dirty bathroom all alone. All alone! And I decided to blow my head off. Because I was a nothing. And in a dirty bathroom all alone with a gun to my head, the funniest thought went through my head. How am I going to look in my coffin with a big hanging hole? (laughs) Thank God for vanity, right? Had a little tiny spark left somewhere. So I dropped the gun. I screamed the next best thing I can think of. You see, I was never a non-believer in God. I knew there was some kind of power greater than yourself. But my crazy thought went like this. That this power greater than myself didn't like people like me. He liked my sister in the suburbs. Right? Because she was nice. New one, sometime later, I found out I was very wrong about that. Found out he loved me very much. Now, I screamed in that bathroom, God help me. Now, God moved very strangely with me, and I'll tell you why. I was very strange. Strange. Some nights later, some people ventured over too drunk to drive, and nobody ventured over to where I was anyway, but these two people ventured over too drunk to drive the car. (laughs) So I drove the car that night. And that night I ended up back in the county jail for women on the first and only 502 that I do remember. When I got physically healthy, I was laying on a bunk in the county jail for women up in L.A., and over the intercom they announced... A.A. A. in the dining room. And with all this wisdom, I had learned from them streets, I'd poked a bunkie of mine and said, what the hell is American Airlines doing in this place?
2: <laughs>
1: I never heard of you guys. <laughs> Jesus. And with all her wisdom, she said, I don't know. I said, well, they must be hitting rock bottom for stewardesses, right? And we need a job. (laughs) So I came to American Airlines there that night. And, of course, you know, it turned out to be Alcoholics Anonymous. And four nice ladies dressed up like about like this, with the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, now, you heard what I say, I'm a rebel. And my first reaction is, eh, yeah, they're full of it, right? <laughs> not me. And after a period of time, I leave that institution, because you see that first introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous, I think they only live real nice, refined fine ladies, and they're not going to let me in here. So I leave that institution. And I leave there with good intentions. I'm not going to get drunk like that. And three months later, I was a disaster. I was living with the mattress on the floor, Viva La Raza, across the ceiling. And the landlord had offered me $100 to move out as soon as possible.
2: <laughs>
1: and I thought he liked me, right? When God bless that gal I jailed with, God bless her, God bless her. I think of her often. See, she made a phone call to Alcoholics Anonymous. And later down the line, she chose to die and I chose to live. But she made that phone call and that night two people came down there in a television call. And God bless them, they came. And they started toting us off to these funny meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. And you know what happened? My finger came out again. I would sit as far back as I can get, way back. Out of the door if I could have, but way back. And it would go through the group. Eh, look at that one. <laughs> so all the others start drinking, man, eh, 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 eh. criticizing, hate. But I kept coming back, and God bless my home group. God bless them. They tolerated me. <laughs> huh? They didn't say, get out of here. They didn't even say nothing about change your attitude. You're going to die. I just kept coming back. Just keep coming back. From a distance, they said, keep coming back. (laughs) (laughs) And I did. (laughs) (laughs) One day, I was sitting far back there. And that night, I decided that this ain't going to work for me. It's not going to work. When God put a beautiful man up here. God put him up here. Oh dear. And this man started to share. And he didn't share from his head. He shared from his heart. It's called the language of the heart. I found that out much later. The language of the heart. One drunk talking to another drunk. That's what happened that night. And this man started to share a little bit of experience and his strength and his hope. And far back sitting on that chair that night, I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Maybe Slim Chef that a person like me could make alcoholics enough. Maybe. I went home that night and I did the hardest thing I ever did. I got rid of everything. Because in my group, they talked about complete abstinence. Jesus. <laughs> Ow. And you know what happened? The next night I came back and I couldn't get my hand up this high. To identify as an alcoholic. If I could have put it under the table, I would have stuck it under there. But you got strange ways in these meetings of finding huh? <laughs> and you found my little shorthand. And I identified as an alcoholic that night. And I have not found it necessary since that night to take a drink or anything chemical into Ruth one day at a time. And that's been a little over 13 and a half years ago. Not I me. Mean. <laughs> now, I wish I could tell you it was easy. Or I got cute overnight or something, Or gentle, even. (laughs) Hell, I ain't even gentle today yet, right? But it's better, right? But little by little, and inch by inch, I started to grow through the fellowship of alcoholics and others. No, and I did not grow through leaps and bounds. I don't know about in Reno, but in Los Angeles, sometimes you see people ninety days. They look better than me in ninety days, no? It be scaring me. But I grew slow. One day, I was sitting in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I did the strangest thing. I smiled. Like the first time I smiled, it scared me. Mm. <laughs> then one day I was sitting way back there again. Took me a while to climb up to the front. I busted out laughing back there. <laughs> laughing. And it scared me too. I didn't know what it was. It was a strange thing. Laughter. And as that laughter started to hit my gut, I started to heal a little bit inside. Some of that healing took place way back there, huh? And here was where that pride come in. I carried a lot of pride here, lots of it. I brought it with me. All of you. Hmm. God bless them old timers. Hmm. Now, God must have knew all this pride I carried because, you see, I had this pride. I didn't want to ask nobody to be my sponsor. I didn't want to walk up to somebody and say, like, would you like to be my sponsor? Huh. Now, God knew this. So God decided to send me one. The sponsor walked right up to me and said, I'm your Sponsor. Now, I didn't know you could say no. (laughs) Nobody told me. And I just (laughs) went, I still have that same sponsor today. And the sponsor started to pound strange things. Strange. Like, read the book. And you take the 12 steps. To the best of your own ability. And you apply them to your life. Not look at them. Take them. Hmm? Inside and inside. Huh? And this is what I started to do. Little by little again. Then one day I was two years sober. And I got a phone call. In this phone call, they said, hey, we've been keeping an eye on you. And I said, that's okay today. You can do that. They said, but you don't understand. We're going to return your children, all five of them at the same time. I wish I clapped. (laughs) Now, I wish I can tell you this afternoon I got happy. I did not get happy. I got scared to death. And again, thank God for sponsors. I ran to this sponsor, and if any of you had sponsors, you kind of know how they are. They kind of let you rat and rage. And they listen while you're raging. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> then when you get all done and you're winding down, They'd punch you between the eyes with something, right? I later found that that was called reality. When I got all done winding down, the sponsor says, this is what you're going to do. Now you're going to take everything you've gathered in Alcoholics Anonymous, and you're going to take it home with you. work this program during meetings, and be wonderful, go home, want to kill the family. Yeah. So little by little, and inch by inch, we started to grow as a family. We did not grow through leaps and bounds, and I can honestly tell you this afternoon, we still ain't no Brady bunch. No way. Boy, am I glad. I used to think people were supposed to be like that. Mm -hmm. Then one day, God decided, not me, God decided, that this family should move to the suburbs (laughs) of Hacienda Heights. And then I started to do strange things once in a while. I bake cookies. <laughs> Once in a while. But I gotta be very honest with me because a friend of mine's up here with me. I bake them hard so they don't ask often. <laughs> so if any of you do need that recipe, see me after this meal. <laughs> they won't ask too often, believe me. I'm going to show you a very quick story of growth for this family, growth. <laughs> it's called pain. <laughs> you know, one night my two daughters came to me. And they said, hey, Mom, we're a nice little family in the suburbs. We like to join the Girl Scouts. And I said, why not? So I took them down, and I bought them the strangest-looking green uniforms you ever laid eyes on. Then when I got them home, this is what they laid on me. Now we need a Girl Scout leader in our school, Mom. Now my first reactions to those children were, no, that's dead. What if somebody sees me? Cause I'm here to tell you today that there is no way to look cool in a zipped up uniform of the Girl Scouts, right? (laughs) But you gotta be very cautious of children that are around Alcoholics Anonymous. If you have children in your life and you don't want to work it at home, don't bring them here. Because they forget things in these meetings real quick. Then they take it home. And they use it. So they threw it back at me. Oh, Mom, you could do it. One day at a time. (laughs) Jesus. So there I went for two more years. Up and down mountains with 40 giggling girl scouts. And I tried everything. I tried to call them the mafia troop. They didn't want that. They wanted the yellow butterfly troop. But I never forgot my first camp out with these girls. Camping out in these mountains. And these girls got real strange ways. They sit up in tents. And they asked you strange questions. And one did. And she shakes me awake. She goes, hey, Miss Sanchez. Do you realize that this is the first time in my life I've ever been camping? And I looked at that kid and I said, no shit. Right? That's all I can think of. This is the first time in my life I've ever been cancer. And I was learning to live, right? Because the big book of alcoholics that out says we'll get back in that mainstream of life and we'll learn to live one day at a time out there. Mm. And through growth and a lot of meetings and hanging close to rooms like this and people like my friend on that end of that chair sitting there, I'm going to share you the difference in my home. I love this lady sitting here. I heard this lady in a meeting when I was three years sober. She made me cry. Never cried till that time. Couldn't even take my cake I cried so bad. But she taught me how to cry, and I love her for that. But real quickly, I'm going to share you the difference in my home this afternoon. <laughs> Nothing that I've done. You seen my will and my way before I got here. All of that belonged to me. All of it. But everything I'm gonna share about right now is the will of God and a program called Alcoholics Anonymous made this possible. Possible. I'm tickled because I just before I came to this meeting I called on to my daughter. I told her, hey, guess what? We got to move. I lost the house. (laughs) I gambled it away, guys. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) ma. I thought, I better come and get me. I think I'll get rid of the car next. (laughs) My oldest boy, he saw every rotten thing I'd done. He sure could have chose to hate my guts. He had every right in the world. He chose to love me. And you see, that's a gift. Gift. My boy was in Germany for three years, and while he was in Germany serving in the armed forces, he wrote to me on the back of a picture. And I like to share you what he wrote. He put together what Alcoholics Anonymous means to my five children. And this is what he wrote. He wrote, thank you. Thank you for teaching me right from wrong. Thank you for the five years we have been reunited as a family. But most of all, give my thanks to the people in Alcoholics Anonymous for giving you back to us again, and I cry. Because it took each and every one of you to make it possible for five children to have their mommy back. Because you see their daddy's still out there dying. My next daughter didn't come home like that. She came home and hated my guts. Hated them. Hmm. In fact, he was a child that reminded me of all the things I never wanted to be reminded of. She told me how I talked to ceramic camels in the TV and the whole child.." I used to have to go to the bathroom with the door open with that child. One night she came to me after a meeting, and I'll never forget the two questions she asked. She asked me two questions. First she asked me if God loved me, and I told her, yes, he did. And he also forgave me for every rotten, filthy thing I did in my whole life. Now the rest was up to her. Then she asked me if I loved Alcoholics Anonymous. And I told her I did, that I loved Alcoholics Anonymous very much. She opened up like a floodgate that night, and I found out my daughter didn't hate my guts that night found out my daughter had lived in fear all those years. Fear. She was so afraid to love me, and she thought if I got drunk that I would crush her again. And when she thought maybe I might make a few 24 hours around the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, she chose to give her love. (laughs) That's the one I called to tell her that we lost the house. (laughs) (laughs) Today, She happens to bury a very dear friend of mine, very dear. In fact, two years ago, she just presented me with my first grandbaby, first grandbaby. And I might not have made it too good of a mommy before I got to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I'm going to be one hell of a grandparent. I love it. I got that guy spoiled, and I love every ounce of it. And my next daughter, which is also a beautiful daughter, but she's going to give me a heart attack and it's nothing she's done. It's just a profession she's chose to go into when she turns 21. She's decided to go into the sheriff's department in Los Angeles. That's what I said, Jesus. Talk about acceptance, right? God bless her. And my next son, we've had our ups and downs, but it's okay. He's had a very, very hard time with acceptance and not letting go of past. But today, thank God, he carries it, I don't. My next son, which is the youngest of the clan, never forgets to tell me he loves me and I'm a good mommy. Did you hear that newcomer, a good mommy? Far, far from a perfect mom. But a mom who strives each day through what I found in Alcoholics Anonymous... To do an inside job on me. I'm going to share you this. What means so much to me. So much. And it's that great prayer called God grant me the serenity. To accept the things I cannot change. And I can't change people, places, nor things to fit me. It won't go. How I tried for years. And the courage to change the things I can. My own self daily insight and the wisdom to know the difference between those two. Today, noon, I walk with the dignity of a lady. And I know peace inside of my gut. I look for that in the bottom of a bottle all my life, that peace of mind, that warm feeling in my gut. God, I look for it. And no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what comes down in my life, I know where to come today. And I grab that book and I hang on to people you like you because it sure beats laying out their dying. i like to thank the committee and each and every one of you for having me here today. God bless.